This is the Bible Book Club. And we're in Deuteronomy. Welcome Welcome to to the club. Last episode in chapters 31 and 32, Moses took steps to transfer his leadership to Joshua and the priests. He commissioned Joshua publicly to the people to be strong and courageous, remembering that God would never leave him. Then Moses commissioned the priests to guard this word that he had given them, read it publicly every seven years, and teach it to the children. Then God commissioned Joshua and gave Moses one more task, just one more thing to write down, a song. The song was a warning to Israel for their coming rebellion, rejection, and devastation. It also encouraged to rejoice for in the end, God will prevail and redeem them. It was a little encouraging, but it was mostly not (laughs) more not encouraging. I know. Moses is very much trying to scare them into obedience. All right. Chapter 32 continued today. These are the instructions about Moses dying on Mount Nebo, but don't worry, he's not going to die yet. Verse 48. On that same day, the Lord told Moses, go up into the Abram range to Mount Nebo in Moab across from Jericho and view Canaan, the land I'm giving the Israelites as their own possession. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Therefore, you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. We all must live with consequences, even the most faithful Moses. This was a very bitter pill to swallow, for Moses was certainly provoked in the situation where he disobeyed. Remember, the people have been grumbling about their lack of water, not for the first time. And God gave Aaron and Moses specific instructions to speak to a rock and it would pour out water. But Moses was mad and frustrated with the Israelites. And from Exodus 20, 10, we learn, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Now, I, I really don't blame him because he was used to that staff and he was used to like throwing it around and it coming becoming snakes. So he was a little mad. He felt like throwing something instead of speaking to it. But the point is Moses allowed his emotions to drive what he did. He did it his way, not God's way. We can't make up for our sins, no matter what greatness we attain or godliness we acquire. And certainly from that point on, Moses did about a bajillion amazing things. But only Christ can atone for sin, and only through him can sins be forgiven. And so there is this consequence for Moses. He is not going to be able to step into the promised land. I do feel like that was a little moment, though, of God kind of rubbing salt in the wind, because Moses already knew this. He had kind of reminded the Israelites several times, like, it's all because of you. I'm not going to get to go in this land. So it was kind of like, really, at the end of his life, couldn't you just let it slide? (laughs) I know. God's God, and he knows best. He does. 
in chapter 33 now is where we're going to head. And I want to remind you of something. Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter one, began 37 days before Moses' death. So all this writing that we've, we're almost at the end of the book has happened in those 37 days. He, Moses, has been on a race to pack in as many words as he could with the time he had left. And his words fell into those three sermons, remember, in the heart of the book. Remember what God did, just do it, obey the law, and choose God, and you choose life. There is only one thing left for this leader to do for his children, Israel. And that is, like any great father, to bless them. With more words, of course. (laughs) Moses blesses each of the tribes individually. In a similar form to Jacob, who blessed his 12 sons on his deathbed in Genesis 49. The 12 sons have now become the 12 tribes. Now, blessings were often prophecies. We saw this in the story of Balaam and the donkey. All Balaam could do is bless Israel. And that made the king of Moab mad because Balaam was a prophet. And that meant what he spoke would come true. Now, Moses's blessing is prophecy added to the blessing and prophecy already given by Jacob in Genesis 49. Moses's blessings are a little more expressive and positive than Jacob's. Almost like prayers expressing his hope for each tribe, despite what he knows God already decreed through Jacob. Chapter 33. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south, from his mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet, they all bow down, and from you receive instruction. The law that Moses gave us, the possession of the assembly of Jacob. He was king over Jeshurun when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. Okay, I'm going to give one little aside. Myriad of holy ones are holy angels are holy saints. This phrase is used in the Old and New Testament. And one day, I promise in Bible Book Club, we will do a deep dive on angels because there's lots of little comments sprinkled throughout the Bible about angels. And it is fascinating. Verse six, let Reuben live and not die, nor his people be few. This is the first very short one sentence blessing from Moses to the tribe of Reuben. Reuben was the oldest son um, of Jacob. And so his tribe was mentioned first in both Jacob's and Moses's blessing. However, Jacob in his blessing rebuked Reuben while Moses is praying that he will at least survive as a lesser tribe. Now here's the history of the man Reuben. Reuben slept with his father's concubine Bilhah, the mother of his half-brothers Dan and Naphtali. Like Esau, Reuben chose immediate physical gratification over the opportunity to lead Israel. Jacob said Reuben's character was too unstable to lead Israel, the nation. So Reuben lost the double portion inheritance of the firstborn and head of family leadership that he should have had as the firstborn. Instead, the double portion of land 
went to Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the leadership went to Judah. So Reuben's still going to get an inheritance. It's just he lost the second part of his inheritance, the double portion. Yeah, he was supposed to get double, and he was supposed to be the leader. Judah's going to be the leader. Now, the history of the tribe Reuben is this. In Numbers 32, the tribes Reuben and Gad tell Moses they want to settle on the wrong side of the Jordan rather than settle in the promised land. Even though Moses warns them against it, they still do it. No king, judge, prophet, or famous person ever came from the tribe of Reuben, and the tribe will struggle just to survive in 2 Kings. Verse 7, And this he said about Judah, Hear, Lord, the cry of Judah, bring him to his people. With his own hands he defends his cause. Oh, be his help against his foes. Jacob blessed Judah with the responsibility to lead Israel and the promise that the Messiah would descend from Judah. Moses does not focus on this um, as Jacob did. His blessing is short, even though this is a really great tribe, because Moses, remember, wrote Jacob's blessing of Judah into the Torah and therefore knows its length and contents. Moses's blessing for Judah focuses on the military. It focuses on their arrangement of the camp. And when they march, Judah goes first. Moses prays for the tribe, knowing the battles are coming in Canaan and knowing that Judah will be the tribe that leads all the others into battle. So here's the history of the man Judah. Judah's name means praised because as the fourth son born to Leah, she finally gave up trying to please Jacob with each son and found joy in just pleasing God. Unlike Reuben, who never repented from his sin, Judah repented from sin twice, sin against Joseph and sin against Tamar, which is kind of why he is our example of a redeemed person who becomes a great tribe because he repented from his sin. Now, here's the history of the tribe Judah. The tribe's history will fulfill all of Jacob and Moses's prophecies. So what they said is going to come true. Judah survives their battles in Canaan to become the leading tribe of the nation Israel. Even today, we call the Israelites Jews, which is short for Judahites. They become the tribe of kings ruling in the holy city of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is going to be in their territory when they get to the promised land. King David was a part of this tribe, as well as his son, King Solomon, who built the very first temple. Lastly, and most important for us, our king and savior, Jesus Christ, was also from the tribe of Judah. Which makes it even more symbolic that he was the one who repented of his sin because that's where the one who can forgive all sins comes. Exactly. There are lots of faves in this tribe, Caleb, Boaz, and Mary, just to name a few more. Moses next turns to focus on perhaps his favorite tribe for good reason. This is Moses's tribe, and this is a tribe redeemed to a place of honor. Verse 8, about Levi, he said, Your thumim and earring belong to your faithful servant. You tested him at Massah. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. 
bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Strike down those who rise against him, his foes till they rise no more. Looking back on the Torah, it is no surprise to us that God would have chosen a leader out of the tribe of Levi because so much of the Torah is about the law and the priests. Compared to Jacob's blessing, Moses's blessing is the complete opposite. God tested this tribe and found them committed. And that's why we go from Jacob's very negative blessing to Moses's very positive. The tribe of Levi was faithful to God and Moses, even placing God's honor before their own families. So Moses blesses them, listing their responsibilities to determine the will of God using the Thuman and Ur, Urim, with offering sacrifices and teaching the law. Remember those two things, Thuman and Urim, we explained way back in Leviticus, were a way of almost like casting lots, it appears. They're not used today, so we're not for sure, but kind of a cool concept. Now, here's the history of the man Levi and why Jacob was so negative about them. Simeon and Levi secretly and vengefully killed the Shechemites in Genesis 34. Jacob declared that together these two sons were too dangerous, so they would be divided as tribes and scattered throughout the promised land so they could never get together and do evil again. Now, here's the history of the tribe of Levi. Levi's curse from Jacob, and it really was a curse, it wasn't a blessing, became a blessing when the tribe of Levi stood with Moses in Exodus 32 in the Golden Calf Rebellion. That's why when when Heather read the, the blessing, it says, you tested him at Massa, you contended him with the wa- at the waters of Meribah. Levi was faithful. And because of their faithfulness, God gave the Levites the honor of being the priests. They would still be scattered as the original curse from Jacob indicated, but their presence throughout Israel as the priests would be a blessing to every tribe instead of a curse. Now, other faves from this tribe are John the Baptist and Barnabas. Verse 12, about Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him for he shields him all day long and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Sweet Benjamin, beloved son of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. Resting between his shoulders is actually a word picture of a father carrying a child up on his shoulders, which is kind of cute as Benjamin was the baby boy of the family. Everybody loves the baby. The history of the man Benjamin is this. After Jacob thought that Joseph had been killed, he was very protective of Benjamin, the only remaining son of Rachel. Rachel was the one wife out of the four wives that Jacob loved, and she died giving childbirth to this baby Benjamin. While working for Pharaoh, Joseph had been interacting with his brothers. Remember, they came because there was a famine in the land. They came to Egypt. They didn't recognize Joseph. and But Joseph, they didn't bring Benjamin. Joseph longed to see his brother Benjamin and forced the other brothers to bring Benjamin to him. In a very redemptive moment for Judah, remember that one who actually repents, Judah stepped up and has this great speech. 
and offered himself instead of Benjamin, saying to Joseph that it would kill their father, Jacob, to lose his son, Benjamin, because he'd already lost his son, Joseph. They didn't know they were talking to Joseph, remember? Now, here's the history of the tribe of Benjamin. Moses' blessing is kind, but Jacob's prophecy describes the tribe as a ravenous wolf. And certainly as a tribe, they did vacillate between good and bad. In Judges 20, the Benjaminites are very bad. In 1 Chronicles 8 and 12, their skill at war is used for good. Saul, King Saul, and his son Jonathan were bad and good Benjamites. Saul, who went bad, and Jonathan, who was good. The Apostle Paul was a Benjaminite who was bad at first when he was named Saul and good when he became the Apostle Paul. A couple more faves from this tribe are Queen Esther and her uncle Mordecai. Verse 13, about Joseph, he said, May the Lord bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. With the best the sun brings forth and the finest the moon can yield, with the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness of the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush, let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers." In majesty, he is like a firstborn bull. His horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them, he will gore the nations, even those at the ends of the earth. Such are the ten thousands of Ephraim. Such are the thousands of Manasseh. Joseph is the blessing winner. Both Jacob and Moses generously favor this man, the father of the two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. And we're not surprised because, of course, Moses favors the Levites, his own tribe, because he's been all about the law and the priesthood. But also, of course, Moses favors Joseph. Moses was raised an Egyptian. And there would have been much in the Egyptian history about this famous Jew Joseph, who saved them all from a famine. So you can see that Moses is waxing and waning about his two favorites, and he had a good reason to do that. Um, It was through Joseph that God had saved Abraham's family. Now, here's the history of the man Joseph. Despite opposition from his brothers, from slavery, from prison, Joseph found favor with everyone and prospered. He was the epitome of a leader and his wisdom saved not only his family, but the Pharaoh and the entire nation of Egypt too during the seven year famine. Joseph is everything that Reuben, the firstborn, was not. As a result, the firstborn portion of the double inheritance went to Joseph's sons who become tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The history of the two tribes from Joseph Manasseh and Ephraim is like this. These two tribes received the largest amount of land in the promised land. And both Moses and Jacob prophesied that these tribes would be excessively fruitful and their land was indeed fertile. Both of these nations develop great military expertise. Manasseh had the unique position of having land on both sides of the Jordan River. While Manasseh had more land, it is Ephraim who received the primary blessing of having power like a bull. 
after the kingdom of Israel divides into two kingdoms, Ephraim, the tribe, becomes the leader of the northern kingdom, which will include 10 of the 13 tribes if you include Levi. So remember, there's 12 tribes of Israel that get land. There's one tribe who, who becomes the priest. All of the tribes go to the northern kingdom, go to Ephraim, except for Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. They remain faithful in the south. Ephraim eventually dominates the 10 tribes in the north to the point that the entire kingdom is called Ephraim. Sadly, the northern kingdom falls away from God first and is sent into exile. Much later in 2 Chronicles, some of the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon move back to Judah and to God. Faves from this tribe are the star of our next book in the Bible, the book of Joshua, because he is from this tribe. Other faves include Hannah and her son, the prophet Samuel. And we know that Samuel gets two books in the Bible. Verse 18, about Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and you, Ishkar, in your tents. They will summon peoples to the mountain and there offer sacrifices of the righteous. They will feast on the abundance of the seas, on the treasures hidden in the sand. The history of the men, Zebulun and Issachar, are as follows. These two brothers were the last of Leah's six sons. Moses is mentioned here is a physical reference of the land that the tribe of Zebulun would inhabit by the sea. The tribe settled near the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The history of the tribes of Zebulun and Issachar is as follows. These tribes are side by side in Jacob's blessing, in Moses' blessing, and they are praised together in the song of Deborah because they fought the Canaanites with her. Zebulun and Issachar also loyally served King David in battle. Deuteronomy 33.19 states that this people will summon people to the mountain, which is interesting because the Sermon on the Mount was given in Issachar's territory. Ooh, that's a Bible bender. Yeah. The area where Issachar lived was a haven, a place where Christ performed many miracles. It was a quiet dwelling place for troubled souls. Lastly, 11 of the disciples of Christ came from Galilee, a territory of Zebulun. It does not necessarily mean they were Zebulonites, though, or, or Issacharites, because remember, after the exile, when people came back, they kind of mixed it up a little mm. bit. Verse 20, about Gad, he said, Blessed is he who enlarges Gad's domain. Gad lives there like a lion, tearing at arm or head. He chose the best land for himself. The leader's portion was kept for him. When the heads of the people assembled, he carried out the Lord's righteous will and his judgments concerning Israel. All right, the history of the man Gad. We know nothing about Gad as a man other than he is the son of Leah's maid Zilpah. Now, here's a little bit of history about the tribe Gad. Gad chose not to live in the promised land, but to stay on the east side of the Jordan, which explains Moses' comment that he chose the best land for himself. It was not a good choice. They were constantly at war with surrounding Amorites and Midianites. But it seems that the warlike skills that Gad developed for survival were put to good use to provide protection for Israel on their eastern border, the Jordan. Verse 22 about Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's cub springing out of Bashan. Very short there. The history of the man Dan is this. Dan is the first son of Rachel's maid, Bilhah. Rachel named 
him be judged because she felt God had judged her situation and blessed her with a son through her maid. Now, the history of the tribe of Dan is not good. In Numbers 10, Dan is the last tribe where the nation moves and the last to receive his inheritance of land in the book of Joshua. In Judges 18, the tribe of Dan led the way in corruption, resurrecting the worship of the golden calf. And Dan's corruption continued until their captivity. To make Dan's story sadder, there is a total omission of the tribe in the genealogy listed in 1 Chronicles and in the genealogy in Revelations. Samson was the most known judge in Dan's in Judges 13 through 16. However, he also was a little unstable in his devotion. Verse 23, about Naphtali, he said, Naphtali is abounding with the favor of the Lord and is full of his blessing. He will inherit southward to the lake. The history of the man of Naphtali is that he is the second son of Rachel's maid and the little brother to Dan, the bad tribe. The history of the tribe of Naphtali is this. The territory the tribe is assigned borders the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Isaiah 9 is a lovely prophecy of a great honor that would and did come to this tribe's land. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus, we know, was born in Bethlehem. However, his family lived at the time in the land that used to be Naphtali's. Remember, they traveled to Bethlehem just for the census. Now, although his parents were living in Galilee, they were actually from the tribe of Judah. So confusing, but there you have it. Verse 24 about Asher, he said, most blessed of sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him bathe his feet in oil. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze and your strength will equal your days. The history of the man of Asher is not much. We we know that the name Asher means happy, and certainly God blessed Asher with fertile territory. The history of the tribe is this. The tribal area is still known for its olive groves, and perhaps that is why it said, let him bathe his feet in oil. This tribe was rich, and they provided um, much of the resources needed for the temple during Solomon's reign. Now, what are we missing here? Okay, missing Simeon. Simeon's tribe is totally omitted in Moses's blessing in Deuteronomy 33. Well, I can't wait to hear what the commentaries okay, say about so that. So here's the history of the man Simeon, and maybe, well, you can figure out why, because there's not much future for this guy. Remember, Simeon and Levi secretly and eventually killed the Shechemites in Genesis 34. Jacob declared in his prophecy and blessing that together the sons were too dangerous, so they will be divided and scattered in the promised land. Now, remember, when when Moses gives this 
blessing. He's actually kind of foreseeing into the future a little. He's like going into dream mode. It's you know, a prophecy. Right. The tribe of Levi redeemed themselves. We talked about that. But apparently Simeon did not. So here's the history of the tribe of Simeon. Simeon's tribe doesn't really get its own land. They settle with it kind of in the heart of Judah's territory. We're going to put a map in the show notes and you can kind of see this. But apparently, because they're kind of in the middle of a much bigger territory, because Judah had a lot of land, they did not grow as rapidly and end up dispersed across multiple territories, which is what Jacob prophesied, that they would be scattered. So I think when Moses is foreseeing these kind of blessings, he he discounts Simeon because he knows they're just going to be scattered and they never redeem themselves. And so nothing much comes of them. So Simeon doesn't receive his inheritance. He just has to live in Judah's land. They have to live in Judah's land. And like I said, over time, they just, they don't grow. They probably just intermarry with Judah's people or yeah, they kind of get dispersed. Hmm. In his final words, Moses blesses the nation with words that should be familiar to the people he has faithfully led for 40 years. Verse 26, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you saying, destroy them. So Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure in the land of grain and new wine. Where the heavens drop dew, blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. One thing you have to love about Moses, which is not a character quality that I have, is he's so consistent. He sums up here what he has said in different words, same meaning so many times before. Who God is, there is no one like God. God is your refuge. What God will do, he will drive out your enemies and he will keep you safe. What God will provide, he'll provide your life, he'll provide safety, he'll provide food, and he'll even provide wine. And then what are you? You are blessed. You are saved. Moses knows God more intimately than anyone since Adam and Eve and more than anyone going forward till we get to Jesus Christ. And Moses knows, therefore, how blessed this nation Israel is to be chosen by God. Now, if only they knew it, they things would have gone a lot better. But the question for us is, do we know it? Do we know how blessed we are to be chosen by God? Well, if you love um, studying the tribes and the, the men that went before them, we will put a link in the map to the territories and to a list of the tribes and the wives they came from. And we will also put a link to a great infographic from Overview Bible that I am just stoked about. It details everything you know about the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes, who became the 12 territories in the nation of Israel that then divides into two kingdoms. It's a total breakdown and really informative. Enjoy it. Next episode, we will say goodbye to my friend Moses. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. 
as always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.